There's no doubt that the New Orleans Saints have had a frustrating 2023 NFL season, but could a new internal display of frustration be cause for serious concern? We got all that and a little bit of land yap for you coming up on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Big thank you to all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow always for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our exclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can become a Locked on Saints insider today by simply texting Houdat to 504-285-7473 to join the community I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your new Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays on the Locked on NFL podcast, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, Brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to play daily fantasy sports. Head over to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL today and enter promo code locked on NFL in all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we're going to take a look at what the New Orleans Saints did prove for better or for worse in this 28 to 6. Slightly unconvincing victory over the Carolina Panthers, but hey, a win's a win. We're also going to take a look at uh, the Saints. Getting this win done, but what do they have to do to convince fans of more? Because what I heard in the Superdome today showed me that these fans aren't necessarily convinced with a victory like this. But to start it all off, a new level of frustration has come upon the New Orleans Saints in a way that it's generating a lot of concern amongst New Orleans Saints fans. We saw a little bit of infighting for the first time, really the first time, of back and forth today. Derek Carr gets sacked on a third down play as the offense is coming off the field. He and Eric McCoy start to jaw back and forth a little bit. Should this be concerning for the New Orleans Saints? Should this be concerning for New Orleans Saints fans? Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked and Saints your first listen of the day every day and for being here with us. Let's start off with the frustration. Because look, there's been frustration all season, right? Saints fans frustrated with the New Orleans Saints performance. Saints fans frustrated with Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael. Saints fans frustrated with Derek Carr. And even in a victory like what we saw today, 28-6 to over a bit of a hapless team. Not really a bit of a hapless team. A horrendous team in the Carolina Panthers. You could still sense the frustration here, right? The, the lack of rhythm. The kind of uh, the very short, very sort of staccato, very check downy, uh, conservative passing game in this one, getting away from the run game when it was working, you could still kind of sense the frustration. But it was a different level of frustration today that drew a lot of eyes. Uh, if you've been anywhere watching this game or listening to this game or even just on social media, you might already know. But just in case you don't, that little back and forth that I referenced earlier that happened between Eric McCoy and Derek Carr certainly felt concerning in the moment. It's one thing to have a season of frustration. 
It's another thing when you have two players, two team captains at that, the quarterback of your offense, and then one of the other big-time leaders and communication centers of your offensive line, and Eric McCoy, kind of jawing back and forth with one another. So the concern that you see when you get to that level is, uh uh-oh, when we see that out on the field, is that something that is, let's call it, indicative of what's going on elsewhere? And we've been pretty adamant over the course of the past few weeks that, yeah, there's a little bit of a division when it comes to the messaging from players and from uh, coaches, but never really have we seen any kind of division between players. Now, Derek Carr kind of had his moments where he blew up um, at Chris Olave on a, you know, earlier portion of the season down here or, or downfield. And, you know, Derek Carr kind of talked about that. Well, today, Dennis Allen, Derek Carr, and Eric McCoy, all very clear that the Saints want you to know that there's nothing to be concerned about. But do you believe them in that situation? I do want to give Eric McCoy credit. Eric McCoy accepted responsibility. He said, this was my fault right? He basically said, this was me. He was trying to communicate. I was trying to communicate. I lost it. I apologize to Derek Carr. Like I said, Derek Carr, I'm sorry. I love Derek. Derek loves me. Everything's good. Derek had a similar sentiment uh, that he said that he was frustrated about something. He was right about some things. He was wrong about some things. Eric McCoy was frustrated about something. Eric McCoy was right about some things, was wrong about some things, and that there's no issues at all. And then Dennis Allen was very adamant that making too much of an issue. But I think it's understandable to see the reaction from media, to see the reaction from the fan base of just that microcosm of a moment without any microphones, without any ability to hear what they're saying or anything like that, to have concern. You don't see that every day in the NFL. You don't see that out on the field. You certainly don't see it as offenses are coming off the field. Sometimes you see some, you know, heated debates and things like that on sidelines. Maybe those things happen in practice and other places that are away from the public eye, but to see it in front of the public eye raises a warranted level of concern. Now, for me, it's not the end-all be-all that one moment, right? The Saints offense then came back on. Uh, You want to talk about frustration? How about the we want Jameis chants that were going on in the in the Superdome today during the game? Um, and they were mostly over towards sort of the, uh, what would this be? This would be the north end zone side over on the 600 to 603, 604 kind of area over there, if you're familiar with the Superdome. I mean, goodness, you want to talk about um, frustration. That's another level of frustration. It's one thing to hear boos come down from the audience. It's another thing to hear the audience calling for the backup quarterback. But what did they do? The New Orleans Saints offense, they came down and they marched for two touchdown drives. Well, uh, short fields, short fields, but touchdown drives to respond to that. So for me, the, the sort of infighting that you saw between Eric McCoy and Derek Carr isn't something that I look at and go, okay, that is indicative of the entire story. That's a small par- portion of the story. How do they move forward from here. It's not always about what you do wrong. It's about what you do next, right? In certain circumstances. And so in, in understandably certain circumstances, not all circumstances. Um, so what does this team look like? What is Derek Carr? What does Eric McCoy look like the next week? Kind of like the way that we looked at Derek, uh, Derek Carr and Chris Olave when they kind of had their tiff or when Derek Carr had his tiff with Chris Olave. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. And, and I'm not going to sit here and like pour water on it and say, hey, there's no fire here. Look away. There's nothing to see here. There's clearly something to see here, right? Like, but what's the degree of it, right? Is, is what there is to see here what we saw or is there more? And I think that's the thing that 
Derek Carr, Eric McCoy, the New Orleans Saints, that's the thing that they kind of have to look at moving forward. How do they prove moving forward that what we saw was a moment rather than something else that was, um, you know, much bigger, much bigger than all of that. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how it all plays out as it moves forward. But the New Orleans Saints, very adamant that there's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Officer Bob Brady, nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It's certainly something that we haven't seen here in New Orleans to that extent in a very, very long time. Like I can't remember a single time. Now, now remember, there's all the stories about Olin Krutz and the 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 kind of back and forth with Drew Brees and locker rooms and things like that. This isn't entirely unheard of, y'all. Like we've seen Geno Smith get his whole orbital bone broke. Like we've seen this with quarterbacks across the NFL. I believe Derek Carr also had a tiff with another center when he was with the Raiders, things like that. So there is evidence that this kind of thing does happen in the NFL, but it usually doesn't happen when things are going great. Right. And I think that that's kind of the big thing that you take away from all this is that it's clearly not going great for the New Orleans Saints, but they got to win. So can things get better? And so does the win and their ability to maybe try to build off of that moving forward, does that negate that little moment, that one moment that we saw out on the field? But I'm not about to sit here and say, move along, ain't nothing to see here, because clearly there was something to see there. But now the big thing is, how do you rebound from that? How do you continue to move forward? Look, the New Orleans Saints got their win. Okay. 28 to six. Usually that would be a convincing victory. This didn't feel like a convincing victory. Should it have? And why didn't it? And what didn't work? We're going to break all that down and also take a look at what did work. We got some positives and some negatives today, right? This is a win. So I'm not about to sit here and like be completely negative about a win. Let's talk about what it means for the New Orleans Saints moving forward. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Best believe that when I leave here from this, this, it's not the Mercedes Superdome anymore, Ross, Caesar Superdome, that I am going to be putting in an order on DoorDash and showing up just in time for that thing to be delivered. Probably going to order from like 14 parishes. I'm craving some Jamaican spots. I'm craving a little bit of that Caribbean. So that's definitely what I'm going for tonight. You should go and check them out as well. If you haven't used DoorDash before, let me put you on. I'm going to help you get 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order, $15 or more over at DoorDash. All you got to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. That's it. Subject change, terms apply, LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first DoorDash order. Once again, download that DoorDash app, enter the promo code LOCKED23, and you will find it there. Subject change, terms apply. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Big thank you to everybody that is here live or whether you catch us live or catching it later. I appreciate all you everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. The New Orleans Saints have not been great, uh, but they did get a win here today. Could that start the same level of momentum that the New Orleans Saints found when they won three or four in their last uh, four games of the season last year in 2022? Could they go on a run? here and maybe surprise people and pop up in the playoffs probably to be bouncing the first round of the playoffs but hey you got to get there to play right you got to get there to play so let's take a look at what this win means for the new orleans saints how they got there what worked what didn't work as well as where they sit i uh, appreciate all you everydayers out there making lockdown state your first listen of the day every day so when it comes down to the biggest takeaway from this new orleans saints win they're now somehow tied in this just awful nearly collegiate division of football in the NFC South. You've got three teams at six and seven. 
you have a one in 12 team in the Carolina Panthers who just got the, the floor wiped over here. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, no touchdowns in this game. First time the Carolina Panthers haven't scored a touchdown against the New Orleans Saints in a game since a 2010 season. Not great. Um, but how, and we're going to break that down a little bit. How much of that was Carolina being really bad? How much of that was New Orleans defense being really good? I argue both. Um, but what, why, why the lack of confidence despite the 28 to six win, right? Like you would imagine if this was a convincing 28 to six victory, a convincing wipe the floor with them, um, you know, and, and, and leave them out here on the field, uh, you know, and, and march back to the locker room, singing, dancing, chop a style blaring, and all that other stuff. You would imagine that like, maybe that would give fans a little bit more confidence, not completely change their mind about this team. I don't think anything's going to change the mind about this team. They clearly need a new offense. They clearly need a new offensive coordinator. Many will argue that they need a new head coach. Many will argue that they need a new quarterback. I don't see the latter two happening. I definitely see the offensive coordinator change happening this offseason, though. And that is like without a doubt. Like that's not even analysis anymore. That's just me like standing here and telling you what it is. Um, so while we highlight the positives, I'm going to continue to be real about this team. Why not a convincing victory here. So let's run down a couple of things here. Second lowest passing yardage output in Derek Carr's entire career in a victory, 119 yards. The the, the lowest passing yardage amount uh, in a Derek Carr victory was back in 2020 against the Cleveland Browns. He surpassed it by eight yards, 111 yards in that game. Now, Derek Carr mentioned, and I don't blame him for this. I'm going to be honest. I don't blame him for this. He mentioned after the game, I don't care what a win looks like. I care about a win. And great. Great. And that's something that like when you're in the position of the New Orleans Saints in this situation and you'll hear that phrase, well, you don't get style points, right? Like this 28 to 6 victory counts the same in the win-loss column than the 70 burger that the Miami Dolphins put up. But boy, was the 70 burger much more fun. Boy, was the 70 burger much more good, right? I know that's not good grammar, but you know, we're having fun out here today. So what I look at when I see this victory is that I understand the lack of confidence. And I think that that's warranted. I really do. Like, I get that the Saints are 6-7. I get that they're tied for first place in their division. I get that they now have the opportunity to be able to kind of play themselves in. They're in control of their own destiny. All that other stuff. That's all very true. It's all very true. I'm not saying that the book is closed because of how the Saints won this game. But I do think that, like, okay, you got the win here. Now you have to build on it and do something a little bit more convincing against another bad team next week, the Cleveland Browns. And then guess what? You got another bad team the week after that in the LA Rams. And guess what? You got another bad team after that, two more bad teams after that in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as well as, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. So I do think that New Orleans has a, I don't want to call it a responsibility, but they should have a sense of, you know what? To hell with it. I think that they should have a sense of responsibility to show that they are a better team than what they showed today, even in a 28 to six victory. That might end up being a 31 to 27 victory next week. Please not 27 points to the, my, to the, uh, the, the New York Giants. But you know what I mean? Like it might be a close victory next week, but there's actually a way to show a more polished product, which is what I think particularly on offense, the Saints have not been able to consistently do here throughout the season. And I thought that this game was another example of that despite the win. And I think, I think Dennis Allen told the truth about this in his post-game presser. He didn't come out there and say, you know what, Carolina Panthers, don't be fooled by their record. They're a better team than they look. They're a good defense, blah, 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 right? Making excuses and saying, look, we went out there and we beat them 26, 28 to 6, multiple vi multiple score victory, blah, blah, blah. It's hard to win in this league. He didn't hear any of that from Dennis Allen. If you really pay attention, what you heard from him when he came up and had every opportunity to say all of those things, 
He didn't. He came up and he said, you know what? We played hard enough and we did what we needed to do to win this game. But there's still so much that has to be better before we can win the next one or something akin to that. But he was very clear about how the Saints did enough to win this game, which is true. They did enough to win this game, but that doesn't mean that they're going to do enough by doing what they did today next week, right? So I think you got to go back. You got to keep looking. You got to continue to look at it, nitpick, get better, figure out a way to do it. Forget what Dennis Allen said last week. He said it like three times. Keep chopping wood. Keep chopping wood, man. You got to keep chopping wood. Um, I thought that the defense... So here's the conversation that I want to have next about the defense. Was the defense good? Or was the Carolina Panthers offense just really, really bad? I will say this. I've watched now... This is a, a kind, of, kind of a tangent. Roll with me for just a second. We're going to talk bad about the Panthers. I promise it's worth your time. Um, the... I've seen seven games now of Bryce Young, right? Week one to get ready for the week two game. I saw the week two game live. This past week to get ready for this game, I watched Bryce Young's last three games before this. So this is now the sixth game of Bryce Young that I've watched. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand how Bryce Young was anybody's QB1 going into this year. I don't understand how Carolina screwed up the number one overall selection after giving up assets to get there so badly, so badly in passing on C.J. Stroud to draft Bryce Young and then to get this. Here's where I do think the New Orleans Saints um, got off a little lightly today. There were a couple of free runners downfield that Bryce Young just missed, just completely overthrew and just missed. Now, some of that, could be because the Saints actually did a good job getting pressure today. Four sacks, but they actually were in the backfield quite a bit. Zach Bond, imagine that. You let the guy rush the passer. It works. Um, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But I, when it comes down to Bryce Young, like he missed some of those golden opportunities to really be able to like put a hurting on the Saints, right? Jonathan Mingo, middle of the field, couple of uh, targets downfield to DJ Chark, who just like DJ Chark just does not have the strongest hands in the world. We all know this already, but like, goodness gracious. But I do think that New Orleans did enough on the defensive side for you to be able to say, yeah, Carolina was bad, but New Orleans' defense was good. Now, New Orleans still needs to fix its tackling issue. We saw Chuba Hubbard with the big explosive run at one point. We saw some tackling you know, concerns that maybe didn't turn into big explosive runs. You know, the ones that I mean to where like they still technically hold Carolina to, from getting you know, to, to getting like three yards, but it takes like seven guys to bring down the running back, stuff like that. So like, there's still parts of that, right? And look, Carolina is a one and 11 team, right? So the New Orleans team should have come out here and won this game, but we see it all the time. We see it all the time to where defenses can make bad quarterbacks look good. And the New Orleans Saints did not do this today. Did not do that today. 99 net passing yards, 138 passing yards, if I'm remembering correctly, for Bryce Young. 39 lost on sacks, so 99 passing, 99 net passing yards. You look at Zach Wilson today up against the Houston Texans defense. He's an awful quarterback. 300 plus yards, several touchdowns. Um, um, you know, we've seen in, in the past other quarterbacks go up against bad defenses or go up against defenses that should make them look worse than they are and not be made to look worse than they are. New Orleans did that. So, so I will give the benefit of the doubt. How do I want to say this? I will give it to, I'll, I'll do, I'll go both ways on this one. Don't be weird. I'll go both ways on this one. 
Carolina's offense was bad. New Orleans' defense made it considerably worse. And if nothing else, this was a confidence-building game for the defense. I don't think it was a confidence-building game for the offense by very much, but I do think that this was a confidence-building game for the New Orleans Saints defense. And if the New Orleans Saints want to win games throughout the rest of the season, it's got to be the defense anyway. So you might as well get a confidence-building defensive performance out of a game against a horrific team that's 1-11 on the season. And I do think that the New Orleans Saints got that. I told y'all don't be weird. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at some of the things that the New Orleans Saints did prove in this game. This is where we're going to get to a little bit more positivity. So if you want railing, if you want upsetness, if you want all the other stuff, I got all that stuff out of the way already. We're going to the positive. What did New Orleans prove in this game that's worth mentioning? That's what we're going to be breaking down as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and most fun way to play daily fantasy sports, and it just got more fun, all right? So you can always do the usual, you, know, you pick a game or you pick a league, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, whatever, and then you choose versus projections, right? So they'll give you like Derek Carr, 206 and a half passing yards. I think he's going to have more, I think he's going to have less. If you, if, you, if you went with less today, you're a happy person. You do that for two to six players. You get them right. You go it up to 25 times, your entry back. But then they also have their specials leagues as well to where you could actually combine things from across sports. So you could take like, I don't know, Jimmy Graham, touchdown catches, plus Zion Williamson, threes made, one and a half is the projection. Will they combine for more or less? Less. But Jimmy Graham got his touchdown. So you'll take that. So that's the way it works. I mean, it's awesome. It's super, super fun. And um, there's kind of no limit to this. Like, it's just, they always find new ways to innovate. They always find new ways to make it fun. So go and check them out today. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL so that you can get your chance or not really your chance. You're going to get a first deposit match up to $100. Meaning you put $100 down, you get a $100 match. Once again, that is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 over at PrizePix. Daily fantasy made easy. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at what the New Orleans Saints did prove in this game. And now I've got five things here that I want to go over. Appreciate everybody for being here, whether you're here live or whether you're here later. Appreciate you very much for coming through, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day. Um, I don't usually do this, but I do want to say um, Andrew here in the chat just said something that I, I, I want to come back to about rebuilding the offensive line. So, so don't let me forget that. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you five things that I think the New Orleans Saints proved that are positive. Look, I did the negative thing, right? I, I did it already. Like the New Orleans Saints didn't have a convincing win here. Um, they need a new offensive coordinator. They need an upgraded offense. They need a new offense. They need better play from their quarterback. They need better, better coaching, like all these other things. Like we know that. I don't think the New Orleans Saints are going to make any drastic changes here before the end of the season. I think they have to make a change when it comes to offensive coordinator in the offseason. It's out of the way. All right. We did it. So let's talk about what the New Orleans Saints proved in a victory like this. Nothing that's going to be like too rah-rah. We're not throwing a parade here for a win over a 1-11 team. But here's some things to keep in mind. I think the New Orleans Saints proved that even without Taysom Hill, when they focus on their run game, which they didn't do consistently enough in this game, in my opinion, that they can still run the football. Now, I think that there's a reason why they didn't consistently stay connected and um, committed to the run game. So there was a point at which Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams both averaged over six yards per carry. Alvin Kamara was over seven yards per carry. But then Carolina saw, okay, the run game, which Carolina has been awful against all year. It's getting away from us. 
New Orleans is not throwing the ball downfield, which they didn't. I can, if I'm, I'm probably missing one or two, but I can think of two 20 plus yard passes downfield. Now I will say that we've been critical of the New Orleans Saints for an over-reliance on the deep ball. Okay. We've been critical of them here on this very show all throughout the season. The adjustment that they made today was not the adjustment that I was thinking about. You can throw one 10 yards downfield. You can throw one 15 yards downfield too. We saw the New Orleans Saints stay very, very tight to the line of scrimmage, two, three yards behind the line of scrimmage, all that. Or one deep shot down the right sideline to Chris Olave, which look, a lot of people are going to be critical of the pass. I thought JC Horn just made a hell of a play. I really do. The guy had to dive and go outstretched fully in order to break up that pass. Great play. And then the other one was the 44-yard completion to A.T. Perry, who's going to be a stud. I think he needs to get a little bit more used to being targeted. He almost like throttled down a little bit too much on his route, which is what led to him having to recover and go and dive for the pass. But A.T. Perry is going to be really good. Um, but outside of that, the run, the passing game wasn't really working for New Orleans, right? And Carolina was doing a good job. They're a top 10 defense against the pass, blah, 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 whatever. They're a 111 team. I'm not going to give them more credit than they deserve. Uh, but because they saw that, and then they saw the way that the run game was working, they started stacking a box and eight, nine players in the box. So that ended up sort of forcing the New Orleans Saints to like throttle down in their in their run game. But then it made them a little bit more effective in their passing game. So it's it's the chess match, right? It, it, it's you, Offense does a thing. They're really successful at it. Uh, defense adjusts to try to take it away. Offense has to adjust to now go and do the thing that they couldn't do before because they can't do the thing that they were doing before. But I do think that New Orleans did a good job with their balance between Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams of running the football and particularly blocking up front in those gap scheme runs. The New Orleans Saints, I said this, we talked about this in the Jackson 5 on Friday that the New Orleans Saints needed to go and punch the Carolina defensive line in the mouth with a man run game plan. And that's exactly what they did early on. I love seeing it. Number two, the secondary is remarkably talented. Tackling, still a bit of a concern, but don't forget that the Saints were without two of their starters in the secondary in this game. No Marcus May, no Marshawn Lattimore. Again, Bryce Young, I just don't see it working for him. I get it. Bryce Young was not very good in this game. Completely understand. But there were times where there were one-on-one matchups between Isaac Yadam and, and a wide receiver, or uh, Alante Taylor and DJ Chark and all that. And in those in those situations, it doesn't matter how good the quarterback is or isn't. If the wide receiver out outplays or outfights that defensive back, that ends up being a big explosive play for that offense. The New Orleans Saints secondary, Isaac Yadam, we also saw uh, Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, Jordan Howden at one point, all breaking up passes. Jordan Howden broke up a pass. Let, let this sink in for a second. Jordan Howden broke up a pass in the end zone and didn't get a flag. Think about weeks two, three earlier on in the season and how much you would have said, you know, we would have celebrated that, right? Um, Let's celebrate it now. The New Orleans State Secondary is stupid talented, stupid talented, and it's talented with young players. And that's really, really exciting to see because as this New Orleans Saints defense ages in some areas, the place that it's not really aging with the exception of Tyron Matthew um, is very, very young and it's the secondary and, and that's no shade of Tyra Matthew. Tyra Matthew played a good game here today too, but just like as the aging is happening for this defense, where it's sort of identity is located is it's secondary, which is full of a lot of young, I'll say stud performers, um, who wants to do a victory lap about, um, who wants to do a victory lap about, uh, uh, uh Zach Bond. Anybody, anybody, any of you, please, please do it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Do your victory lap right now while you're listening to this, while you're watching this. Do a little lap around your chair because you were right. New Orleans State should have been rushing and utilizing Zach Bond as a pass rusher. 
years ago when they drafted him. Um, that was the best game I've seen from Zach Bond. He didn't even get a sack. He didn't even get a sack. He got a sack last week, and I thought this game was better. I thought this game was better for him. I, I really, really enjoyed seeing that game plan for Zach Bond, and I hope I asked Dennis Allen about like what him being a little bit more of a pass rusher, would you take away from it? Hard to answer that question right after a game, I know. I'll ask him again tomorrow and the day after presser after he's gotten to kind of review film and stuff like that. But he did say, without any prompting, without any hesitation, that he could see Zach Bond continue to operate in that role. And I really, really hope so. I really, really hope so because that is the role for Zach Bond. He's not going to win every pass rushing rep. He's not going to beat every 310-pound you know, uh, offensive tackle as a 230, 240-pound guy. I know. But man, is that the right role for him? Is that the right role for him? That was awesome to see. Um, Carl Granderson's the team's be- number four, number four. Um, Carl Granderson is the team's best defensive end this season. I know Cam Jordan's dealing with injuries and all that other stuff, but what you need as you have a veteran that is, you know, talking about, you know, how many years he's got left and all these other things. Uh, you need a young guy that's coming up and becoming your starter opposite him to kind of take that mantle. Carl Granderson, six and a half sacks on the season. The Saints had four sacks in this game. He was one of them. Um, excellent. Just excellent performance by him again. And and really, really good stuff. That's what you want to see, especially from a guy that just got a new contract. There's a lot of times where you see these guys get a new contract and then just kind of fall off a little bit. Carl Granderson has not gotten comfortable. And that comes from that sort of like get it from the mud mentality of being an undrafted free agent, working his way up, all that stuff. He was great after the game in his postgame presser as well. And then finally, boy, could Jimmy Graham have made a big difference in all those games that he was inactive, huh? Huh? Two games at home, three catches here over the course of the past two games, two touchdowns. Guy's got four catches, three touchdowns on the season. Think back. Just a little think back. Just a little think back. Not too long ago, Jimmy Graham was inactive in a game where the New Orleans Saints went like, what, 0 for 5 in the red zone, kicked nothing but field goals? Boy, would he have made a difference in those matchups. Now, no one's going to admit that, right? No one's going to say that straight up, but I will say it. Clearly, Jimmy Graham was missed and needed, missed in the games where he was inactive, needed in this one. Jimmy Graham, excuse me, you're right. Thank you, Dylan. Hemi Graham. Hemi Graham out here making two big catches. He had the big third down catch that gave them the first down. How about that? A first down in the red zone. Love to see it. Uh, and then comes back and, and gets a touchdown later on. Wide open. All by himself. Like just wide open. So you love to see that. So those are five things for me that I'm looking at and I go, okay, you don't have to believe in the New Orleans Saints right now. But these are five things that they proved today that are positive building blocks with four games left in the season and the division still intact. Whether you like it or not, this New Orleans Saints team, they're going to try to play themselves in the playoffs. And that's what they should do. That's what every team should be doing. Carolina, when they come back next week, 11 and well, 1 and 1 and 12 against whoever they play next week, they should be trying to win that game. The New Orleans Saints should be trying to play themselves into the playoffs. Uh, if they can build off of these five things with a bad schedule ahead of them, we'll see what happens. But again, we're not here to take a victory lap for New Orleans. But these are things that if they're able to do and win, that maybe they'll be a little bit more convincing moving forward. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Coming up in tomorrow's episode, we're going to go through what we liked, what we didn't like, as well as, of course, get you the biggest story of the day from all of the pressers, things like that. Tuesday, we'll break down the film a little bit more. I want to kind of look at the Saints run game a little bit more closely. So if you're a Locked on Saints insider, which you can do by texting uh, Hudat to 504 
285-7473. We'll have a film study breaking down the run game, what worked, all that other stuff. Um, on, on, on Tuesday, as we continue to move forward, then we'll start to get prepped and ready for the New York Giants, uh, this upcoming weekend. But I appreciate you, or, or throughout the week. I appreciate you very much for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints. Uh, 400 folks in the chat here as we're live, thousands others listening afterwards. I, I, I can't thank you enough. I know this New Orleans Saints team has been tumultuous. I know this New Orleans Saints, uh, or not team, sorry, season has been tumultuous. I know it's been frustrating, but it's still fun. Like I'm still having a good time. I hope that you're having a good time hanging out with me. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go as the as the week continues to progress. But I appreciate you very much for continuing to make Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me on the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. They're not a family. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.